Welcome to Pirate Wire. That was audio from Columbia's Truth Commission report, which was a bombshell in media here and internationally this week. The five-year study was commissioned after Columbia's peace accord with the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Columbia, or FARC, in 2016. As part of the study, investigators interviewed over 30,000 people in various parts of the country and clarified a lot of actions that the government would rather have kept hidden, such as the government's alliances with right-wing paramilitary groups who acted as death squads in eradicating both enemies of the state and innocent civilians. The report also goes into considerable depth about how the U.S. knew these actions were happening and yet continued to funnel money to Colombia, especially during the height of the Civil War, during Plan Colombia, a joint military action between the U.S. and the Colombian government. We're going to explain all that and more today at Pirate Wire Services. <laughs> Frontline indie journalism from the global south to you. Pirate Wire Radio. Transmission initiating in 3, 2, 1. Piracy commencing. So you probably heard a lot about the rebel group, the FARC. They were the biggest guerrilla group in South America at the height of their power in the late 90s and early 2000s. And the government has placed a lot of focus on their actions, as well as their crimes, which have involved kidnapping, bombings, extortions, and narco-trafficking. Which are probably less aware of, that the government doesn't like to talk about, are the right-wing criminal groups who have their origins in the Civil War. The biggest of these groups, the Self-Defense Forces of Colombia, or AUC by their Spanish initials, acted as a death squad for the Colombian military during the Civil War. They also used the war as an opportunity to build a criminal empire of narco-trafficking. AUC officially disbanded under the presidency of Álvaro Uribe, but the majority of those fighters simply started new groups. The biggest of which today are the Gaitanista Self-Defense Forces, also known as the Clan de Golfo or the Urbeños. And they're actually the most powerful narco group in the country. They control the largest amount of the cocaine trade and the most territory. This recent report from the Truth Commission has shined considerable detail on exactly how they worked with the Colombian military. It also clarifies the total number of casualties and victims of the war, which are considerable. The Truth Commission report states over 450,000 died during the conflict, double previous formal estimations. 80% of them civilians, only 2% of them in combat, and most at the hands of right-wing paramilitary groups. 121,700 forcibly disappeared, 50,000 kidnapped, 8 million displaced, and more than 16,200 children recruited to armed groups. The report also said that the real number of deaths could be as high as 800,000 due to underreporting. In addition to the updated statistics on the victims of the war, the Commission also put forth a series of recommendations, which included investment in conflict zones in which the war still very much continues, peace talks with still existing rebel groups as well as narco groups such as Clan de Golfo, and the removal of the police from the Ministry of Defense. In Colombia, the police do not operate as a civil structure. They are instead controlled by the armed forces. 
And because of that, they often view civil protest as a threat to the state. The attitude is that protesters represent a similar threat as guerrillas and must be crushed. And finally, the Truth Commission recommended an end to the war on drugs. Colombia is the largest coca-producing country in the world and is responsible for more than a third of the world's global cocaine supply. All of that money goes to fund armed groups and buy off politicians. President-elect Gustavo Petro, who in August will become the first leftist president in Colombian history, has agreed to implement these reforms, but he's facing considerable pushback from both military and police forces, as well as the conservative sector of politicians here in Colombia. To explain a bit more the context of the report and its findings, we spoke with Adam Isaacson, who is the Andean director for WOLA, the Washington Office on Latin America. The top-line findings of the Truth Commission report are so important for Colombia. The fact that we, you know, there, there's now an authoritative source saying that there were 450,000 people killed um, just since the 1980s. That's like 1% of Colombia's population. Nobody has reckoned with that yet. Uh, the fact that all parties bear blame, you know, the guerrillas, uh, all guerrillas, the, the paramilitaries, the narco-traffickers, as well as the state security forces always needs to be repeated. The, the recommendations uh, for a less prohibitionist drug policy, it's so important to have a body come to a conclusion like that after three and a half years of really deep research. You know, it's it's an important just to have a, uh, a, a that body also come out and say that it's time to reorganize Colombia's security sector for a post-conflict context, meaning especially getting the police out of the defense ministry. Uh, it's really important that they put that in writing uh, um, based on three and a half years of work uh, with the victims. And, you know, I guess another thing that, you know, stands out to me is just the larger fact that the paramilitaries were such a huge actor in this, um, in the violation of human rights, that many years they were the biggest killers of all. And I say that because, you know, now in 2022, it feels like a lot of people in Colombia have forgotten the paramilitaries. They've forgotten about the uh, United Self-Defense Forces of Colombia, the AUC, um, and they've forgotten about the relationship that they had with the government uh, in Colombia, with the security forces. You know, uh, here in Washington, uh, you know, a lot of U.S. officials uh, reaching mid to senior levels are in their mid to late 30s, which means when Carlos Castaño was killed in 2004, they weren't even out of high school yet. They don't remember this. And no one in Colombia's security sector, no one in the Duque government was going to remind them of the AUC or the, the, the help that they got. So this Truth Commission report is a good refresher, not just for Colombians, but for American policymakers, that paramilitarism was and is a huge force in Colombia uh, that got support from very high levels. Um, and we ignore it at our peril. And those paramilitary relationships with the government here, which has been the same right-wing political philosophy of Oribismo, which is named after ex-president Álvaro Uribe, have long had deep context to both the narco-trafficking world as well as the established business community here in Colombia. To explain that a bit more, we talked with Adrian Alcema. He's the owner and executive editor of Colombia Reports. Well, according to the, the Truth Commission, 
Colombia state institutions, particularly the intelligence agency and the customs agency, have been infiltrated by drug traffickers since the 1960s, which was when um, uh, marijuana trafficking was really uh, common. In presidential campaigns, U.S. intelligence agencies have been concerned about the financing, like the bankrolling of presidential campaigns since 1974. A lot of activists and protesters here often refer to Colombia as a narco state, and partially because of this, right? Like a lot of politicians have always been in the pockets of drug dealers. Well, that that concern is also expressed by the by the Truth Commission, uh, which claims that like the direct involvement of the prosecution in drug trafficking uh, has promoted impunity for, for paramilitary groups and before that people involved in, in the drug trade. A corruption within the prosecution that was like first reported in 1983 and from 1983 until now has prevented the effective prosecution of alleged drug traffickers. So we are talking about what, like almost 40 years of the prosecution not doing anything. While these groups continue to go unchecked. Earlier in the episode, we talked briefly about who the paramilitary forces are here in Colombia. Well, well, the paramilitaries are... Uh, like private arms or or vigilante groups, very much like the the Ku Klux Klan in the in in the south of the United States, like in the beginning of the twentieth century, and the the black shirts of um, uh, Mussolini. So like these fascist uh, groups, they they've existed in Colombia like since the nineteen thirties and became like a really prominent factor during La Violencia uh, between 1948 and 1958. They were formally, like they they received legal status as self-defense groups um, in 1964, if I'm correct. Yeah, right after the Civil War started, right? Correct. Which was advised by the by the U.S. military, by the way. So, like the the U.S. military advised to create uh, paramilitary groups in order to fight what they called like bandoleros or like bandits, right? Which which was basically like uh, anyone who, for whatever reason, like opposed their um, the government. This was before the FARC and the ELN were created, by the way. So drug trafficking became, like Pablo Escobar created his own paramilitary group called Muerte a Secuestradores in 1982. That provided like the financial model on which every uh, paramilitary group that that has been formed since was based so like like these paramilitary groups they were are uh, formed they were financed by the business elite um and were able to achieve like their military prowess uh with the the money that came from drug trafficking 
Right. And one of the things I've been reading in the report is that not only is there a strong link between narco trafficking and these paramilitary forces, but as you briefly mentioned, a lot of these forces are actually funded by the private sector and sort of the business elite. And one of the anecdotes I remember reading in the report is a paramilitary who talked with the Truth Commission talking about how their entire operation was 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 funded by large businesses in the regions. And in return, they had provide security, they had provide services. And there's even an anecdote about how there was a, a coffee shop in Andino, the, the big mall here in Bogota, where if anybody from that sector had a problem, they could just go hire a, a Paraco. If you had a business and you needed to get rid of a business, like a business competitor, you went to the Andino mall in Bogota and you could just ask the favor of the paramilitaries and they would just like get rid of the business competition. Right. These... Or, or, or like if you, you lost like a ton of cocaine, then the paramilitaries like would make sure that the anti-narcotics police would return the, 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 the seized cocaine. So that's, that's the level of infiltration. That's incredible. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Like, like this report is like, I, I honestly think this report uh, deserves like a Nobel Prize. You, you start reading and you just can't stop. It's, it's amazing. That's fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to getting more into it. I'm only about 100 pages in. And the Truth Commission has also said that they're going to announce follow-up reports. So we'll actually be seeing a lot more documentation on this as well. Yeah, and these uh, these follow up reports will uh, will focus on the uh, the impact of the conflict on, for example, like women or ethnic minorities or uh, people from the LGBT community, and and so like they will look at like the impact of the armed conflict on specific sectors uh, in society. And just one final question uh, to you. What is what is the standout, the, the biggest surprise, realization, or most important part of this report from your perspective? That unless we end the war on drugs, we are going to be living in war unless like, we stop the current prohibition of uh, drugs. We are not going to live in peace. The commission also recommended a fundamental structural reform to both the operating policies and the way that the police are organized here. In addition to turning a blind eye to a lot of these human rights violations, some of which were actually perpetuated by the government, the current system also has allowed for brutal police response to protesters. Protests in 2021 were an international story after they left more than 60 people dead, the vast majority at the hands of police and riot squad ESMAD in particular. Under the current system, police and military that are accused of crimes do not face justice under the civil criminal justice system. They are rather tried by military tribunal courts, which happen away from the public eye and have been historically lenient. For example, in 2019, protester Dylan Cruz was killed by Esmed and became a national figure. His family has still not received completion of the military trial, nor do they have access to the trial as it is ongoing. 
In 2020, police in Bogota fired live ammunition into a crowd in the north of the city, killing three people and injuring 19 more. No one has faced any consequences for those actions. The list goes on and applies to military operations that have been described as massacres, such as bombing rebel camps or attacking communities that are controlled by armed groups and killing civilian population alongside rebels. There was a lot of criticism in the report as well for the administration of Ivan Duque, who critics say have undermined the 2016 peace agreement. Some in the government of Ivan Duque have pushed back against these accusations, claiming that the report is biased against them, but there's no evidence for these accusations. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, this is a five-year report They interviewed over 30,000 people, and some of the people making these claims within the report are ex-military. For years, the government here has tried to present the rebels as the only party responsible for grave violations of human rights and crimes against humanity. But the Peace Commission is not alone in finding out new information that shines an incredibly negative light on the government. Colombia's Peace Court last month held hearings in Catatumbo in which ex-high-ranking military officials described working directly with right-wing paramilitaries to create kill lists of left-wing activists. And the work of the Commission of People Assumed as Disappeared, which was created as part of the 2016 peace process, has also found evidence of state crimes, such as the false positives. The false positives scandal happened when the administration of Alvaro Uribe created an incentive to inflate casualty counts. Some military forces under his command at the time executed civilians and claimed that they were guerrillas. This was done in conjunction with their right-wing paramilitary allies. That is to say, the Colombian state was assassinating its own citizens who had nothing to do with the civil war in order to inflate casualty reports. The report from the Commission of Truth is incredibly long, and journalists are still reviewing its contents. There are likely to be a lot more revelations in the future about this historic report, and we'll be keeping an eye on that here at PirateWire. Once again, thanks for listening. I am Joshua Collins. You can find us on Twitter at pirate underscore wire, or you can check us out on Substack at PirateWire Services. Please do subscribe if you like what you're hearing. We are a collective of independent journalists. This is what we do. And our subscription started just $5 a month. It would help us out incredibly if you could take a look at that. In the meantime, gracias por escuchar piratas. Hasta pronto.